We're going to be learning in Chidushe Maran Riz Halevi, the first piece in Hilchos Tfilin. This is Perak Gimel Halacha Tes Zion. And this is a very interesting piece where Rab Velvel tries to understand the nature of the Dalid that's in the knot of the Tfilin on the head. So in the Tfilin, we have the name of Hashem, Shakai, Shin, Dalid, and Yud spelled out. On the top outside of the Tfilin Shel Rosh, there's a Shin. Then in the knot of the Ritsuos, there's a Dalid. And then in the knot of the shalyad Ritsuos, there's a Yud. So those three letters spell the name of Hashem. So Reb Velvel is going to try to understand what is the approach of the Rambam as well as Rashi and Tosfos to the status of that Dalid as well as the Yud that's in the knot of the Ritsuos. The Rambam writes, Ein osinat filin el Yisrael, only a Jew can make tefillin, shasiyasan kiksivasan, because making the tefillin is like writing them. Mipnei hashin shaosin be'or kemosha marnu, because of the shin, which is on the outside of the leather. So theoretically, a non-Jew would be able to make the tefillin, the leather of the outside, but this is a very interesting logic because there is a letter, the shin, which is on that leather. So making the leather is like writing and a non-Jew is not allowed to write the tefillin. If a non-Jew made the leather or sewed it up, it's invalid tefillin. And that includes anyone who's disqualified from writing the tefillin. They also should not make the tefillin. So basically, only people who would be allowed to write the cloth, the parchment of the tefillin, are allowed to make the outside of the tefillin because the shin on the outside is a form of writing. So it has to be done only by people who are eligible to write tefillin. Now, Reb Velvel's question, is, why does the Rambam focus specifically on the Shin? The Rambam holds that the Dalid in the Ritsuas is also a Halacha Lemosha Misinai, a Halacha that was given straight to Moshe, as he said in Halacha Aleph of this chapter. So according to the Rambam, that Dalid in the knot is also the same level status of importance as the Shin on the bottom, on the outside. So why doesn't the Rambam focus on the issue of a non-Jew making the Dalid that should also be an equal level problem with making the shin, whereas the Rambam only mentions that it's a problem if a non-Jew makes the shin, not if he makes the ritsuas, which create the Dalid. So Reb Velvel wants to understand what is the difference between the shin and the Dalid. So to understand this, Reb Velvel quotes a debate between Rashi and Tosvos about the Dalid. The Gemara in Menachos Lamed Hay says that the knot of tefillin is a halacha lemoshem Sinai. So Rashi understands that that refers to that the knot has to be in the shape of a Dalid. That is the halacha that was given to Moshe, that the knot has to look like a Dalid. And that's also how the Rambam in Gimel Aleph understands this, that the halacha lemoshem Sinai is that the knot of the shell rosh Tsuos has to form a Dalit. Now, Tosvos and Erevin Tzadizayin asks on Rashi and the Rambam's interpretation from the Gemara in Shabbos Chavches. Rav Yosef quotes a brisa that lo huchshru b'mleches shamayim or behema tahora bilvad. When making leather for a mitzvah, it has to be from a kosher animal. So the Gemara asks, what is this referring to? If it's talking about the parchment of the tefillin, that it has to be made from the hide of a kosher animal, so that the Torah says explicitly. 
differently. It says, In order that the Torah of Hashem will be in your mouth, which is interpreted to mean from animals which would be kosher to eat in your mouth. So we know that the parchment has to be made from a kosher animal. So the Gemara says, It must be referring to the leather outside of the tefillin. But Abaya said that the shin of the tefillin shall rosh is the halacha l'moshim Sinai. So that shin is also called Torah Hashem, and it also has to be on a kosher animal. So again, we don't need the brisa to teach us that. It's obvious. So the Gemara answers, it's talking about the ritsuos. The brisa is teaching us that the ritsuos as well, even though they're not a form of writing, so they're not called Torah Hashem, but they still need to come from a kosher animal. So Tosvos asks, according to Rashi and the Rambam, that there is a halacha l'moshim Sinai that the ritsuos have to be tied in the shape of a dalid, so the ritsuos also form a letter. So they should also be included in Torah's Hashem. So why does the Gemara differentiate that the batim, which have a shin, have to be from a kosher animal because they're Torah's Hashem, whereas the ritsuos do not? Even the Ritsuos, according to Rashi and the Rambam, have a halacha laboshimi sinai to form the letter Dalid, so they should be included in Torah Hashem. So says Tosvos, we see from this Gemara that the Ritsuos do not have a letter from halacha laboshimi sinai. Only the shin on the batim is a halacha lemoshimi sinai, but the dalid of the ritsuos is not a halacha lemoshimi sinai. It's a later development, and that's why the ritsuos are not included in Torah's Hashem. So, according to Tosvos, when the Gemara says that the knot of tefillin is a halacha lemoshimi sinai, it just means a knot not in the shape of Dalit. The Halacha Lamoshim Sinai is that the Ritsuos of the Shalrosh must be tied in whatever shape, and then later on the Halacha developed to tie it in the shape of a Dalit. So that's why the Gemara says that under Torah law, we do not know that the Ritsuos have to be from a kosher animal because they are not in the shape of a letter like the Batim, which have a shin. And Tosos proves the same point because the Gemara in Megillah Chafavav calls the Ritsuos Tashmishe Kedusha, things which enable Kedusha, but they themselves are not Kedusha. Now again, says Tosvos, if according to Rashi and the Rambam, the halacha of the Ritsuos is that they must be tied in the shape of a Dalid, so that's a form of writing, so the Ritsuos themselves should be Kedusha, the same as the parchment which has the writing on it. So the fact that the Gemara says that the Ritsuos have a lower status of Kedusha, they are Tashmishe Kedusha, means that the Dalid is not intrinsic to the Ritsuos. So according to Tosvos, the Dalid and the Yud that are are tied into the Ritsuos are not the essence of the Ritsuos. That's a later development. The Ritsuos themselves just have to be tied in a knot of any shape. Whereas Rashi and the Rambam disagree and they hold that the Dalit of the Ritsuos shall rosh is intrinsic to the whole halacha of the Ritsuos. It's a halacha l'moshim Sinai that that's how the Ritsuos must be tied. And the same debate comes up in Shabbos Samech Beis. There is a version of the Gemara which says that the Dalit of the Tfilin, the knot of the Dalid shape of the Ritsuos Shal Rosh is a halacha l'moshim Sinai. So that's
that's the view of Rashi and the Rambam. But Tosfos does not have that version because that would not fit according to Tosfos. He holds that the Dalid shape is not a halacha lemoshim Sinai, so he cannot have that version. So this is the debate between Rashi and the Rambam versus Tosfos. Now, Reb Velvel points out that within the Rambam, there is a very key conceptual difference between the Dalid and the Shin. This is how the Rambam formulates the halacha in Gimel Aleph. Shmona halachos yesh b'masat tefillin, kulan halacha l'moshem Sinai. There are eight halachas within tefillin, and they're all a halacha l'moshem Sinai. And one of those halachas is sheyihiyah hakesher shalahen kesher yodua kitsuras dalet. That the knot of the ritzuas should be tied in the shape of a dalet. So Rab Velvel says that if we read the language of the Rambam very carefully, he's pointing us towards a very key conceptual idea, which is the knot of the Ritsuos, which forms a Dalid, is not that it actually has to be the letter Dalid, but rather it's a very different subtle idea, which is the knot has to be in the shape of something that looks like a Dalid. It's not that the knot is actually a Dalid, it's that the knot is in a certain shape and that shape is the shape of a Dalit. So this is a very different idea than the shin. When it comes to the shin, the shin itself is a letter, which is on the outside of the tefillin. So it's a form of writing. It's not the classic writing on parchment, but it is a form of writing the letter shin. When it comes to the knot, we're not tying the knot in order to create a dalid. We're tying the knot in a shape. And that shape happens to be similar to the letter dalid. That's the best way to describe the shape, but the knot itself is not the letter Dalid. That's how the Rambam formulates this, that the Kesher, the knot, should be the Kesher Yodua, what we know the knot is supposed to look like, Kitsuras Dalid, which is in the shape of a Dalid. So the Rambam adds a bunch of words to say that we're not actually tying a Dalit. It's not a form of writing. It's a form of knotting, but the shape of that knot is similar to the letter Dalit. It's like if someone was drawing a painting and they painted a circle. They could say that circle looks like the letter O, but it doesn't stand for the letter O. So according to the Rambam, that's the distinction between the Dalit and the Shin. The Dalit of the Ritsuos is not an actual letter. It's the shape of the knot, and the knot happens to look like a dalid, whereas the shin on the batim is an actual letter. So this distinction is going to answer Tosos's questions. When the Gemara in Shabbos makes a distinction between the batim versus the ritsuos, according to the Rambam, this now makes sense, because the shin of the batim is an actual letter, so it's the equivalent of writing a letter. So that's included in Torah's Hashem, and it has to be on leather from a kosher animal. So we don't need Rabbi to teach us that we need a kosher animal in that case. But the Dalit of the Ritsuas, even though according to the Rambam, that is a halacha l'moshem Sinai, that the Ritsuos have to be knotted in such a form that the knot looks like a Dalit, but it's not that the knot itself is a Dalit, it's a Kesher, it's a knot with a shape, and the shape is like a Dalit, but it's not an actual letter. So it's not included in Torah's Hashem. So even though according to the Rambam, the shape of of the knot of the Ritsuas is a halacha l'moshem Sinai that it must look like a Dalid, but it does not have the status of writing, so it's not considered Torah's Hashem. So we would not have known that the Ritsuas have to come from a kosher animal, if not that Rav Yosef taught us. So the Rambam's conceptual difference between the Shin and the Dalid explains the Sugya in Shabbos.
Likewise, the Gemara in Megillah, which calls the Ritzuas Tashmishe Kedusha. So again, this makes sense. Even though the Ritzuas have to be tied in the letter Dalid, but that is not a letter, which is a form of writing. It's the shape of the knot. So that's not considered Kedusha. It's not the equivalent of the writing itself, but it's a lower level, which is Tashmishe Kedusha. So this conceptual difference makes sense of how the Gemara differentiates between Ritzuas versus the parchment or the Batim, even though according to the Rambam, there is a Halacha Lemosh Sinai that the shape of the knot of the Shel Rosh must look like a Dalit. Now, Rashi does not share the Rambam's conceptual understanding of this. So even though we said before that they both agree that the Halacha Lemosh Sinai is that the Ritzuas of the Shel Rosh have to be tied in the shape of a Dalit, but they have a different conceptual understanding of that Halacha. So there are really three different views. There's Rashi, Tosvos, and the Rambam. So Rashi makes clear that he understands the Dalit and the Yud in the knots of the Ritzuas to be full-fledged letters. It's a form of writing because that's how Rashi and Menachos Lamed Dalit explains. The Gemara says that the Shel Rosh has a higher holiness than the Shel Yad. So Rashi explains because the Shel Rosh has two out of the three letters of the name of Hashem. The Shel Rosh has the Shin and the Dalid, and the Shel Yad only has the Yud. So that's why the Shel Rosh has a higher level of sanctity. And likewise, on the next page, Lamed Hay, Rashi reiterates, the Gemara says, Kishem Hashem Nikra Alecha, that the name of Hashem is on you, refers to the Tefillin Shel Rosh. So again, Rashi says, because they have two out of the three letters of the name of Hashem. So we see that according to Rashi, the Dalit and the Yud in the knots of the Ritsuas are considered full-fledged letters, the equivalent of writing any letters of the Tefillin, not not just the shape of a knot, which happens to look like a Dalit or a Yud, as the Rambam formulated it, but according to Rashi, the Dalit and the Yud are actual forms of writing in the knots of the Ritsuas. So now, Tosos's questions are good questions on Rashi. Why does the Gemara say that the sanctity of the Ritsuas is different from the Batim or the parchment, when according to Rashi, there's letters in the Ritsuas as well, so they should have the same status. But again, the Rambam avoids Tosos's questions because he holds, even though there's a halacha Moshe Sinai to tie the Ritsuas in the letters of Dalit and Yud, but those do not become actual letters. They're just the shape of the knot, which happens to look like those letters. So the halacha Moshe Sinai is not to write a Dalit and a Yud with the Ritsuas. It's to tie the Ritsuas in a shape of a Dalit and a Yud. But at the end of the day, it's just the shape of a knot. And Ravelvel quotes that the Ran in Shabbos also seems to give a similar explanation to how he's explaining the Rambam because he quotes Tosos' question on the version of the Gemara that the Dalit and the Yud are a Halacha Lemoshim Sinai. And then the Ran answers, Ein limcho You don't need to erase these versions of the Gemara. The Dalit v'yud kivan she'enan b'ksiva mamish because since the Dalit and the Yud are not actually actual writing, Ella Bekesher, they're in the not, Lav Torah Hashem Mikri. That's not considered Torah Hashem the same as writing. So the Ran himself makes a distinction between an actual letter versus the not. 
So that seems to be along the lines of Reb Velvel's explanation for the Rambam that there is a difference between the shape of a knot versus an actual letter which is written. So now based on this analysis, Reb Velvel returns to the original question on the Rambam. The Rambam said that a non-Jew cannot make the batim of the shalrosh because the shin is on there. So only someone who's allowed to write tefillin can make the batim. But the Rambam didn't mention any problem with the non-Jew making the ritsuas, even though there's a dalit, according to the Rambam, that has to be tied into the ritsuas. So why is there no problem that a non-Jew can't write tefillin so he also can't make ritsuas? So according to Rab Velvel's whole analysis, this now makes perfect sense because only the shin is an actual letter. So the shin on the batim cannot be done by anyone who can't write tefillin. So a non-Jew can't make the batim of the shell rosh because of the shin. But the dalit is not an actual letter. It's just a knot which is in a shape which is the shape of a Dalit. But there's no issue with the non-Jew making the Ritsuas, even though it's going to end up looking like a Dalit because that's not a halacha to write a Dalit in the Ritsuas. It's just a description of the shape of the knot so a non-Jew is allowed to make those ritsuas. They're not equivalent to writing. So even though a non-Jew can't write the tefillin, he could make the ritsuas, which are going to end up in a knot in the shape of a dalid, because that's just the halacha about the shape of the knot. It's not an actual letter which is being written. So the Rambam is consistent with his overall view that there is a key difference between the shin and the dalid, And that's why the only problem he identifies is for a non-Jew to make the shin, not the dalid. Now, Reb Velvel points out that this whole approach is not original to the Rambam. So he didn't make up this concept. The Rambam got it from the Gaonim. And he quotes a few sources to this effect. The Gemara in Menachos quotes, Amrav Chanabar Bizna, Amrav Shimon Chasida, Melamed Sherelo HaKadosh Baruch Moshe, Kesher Shalt Filin. According to the Gemara, Hashem showed Moshe an image of the knot of the tefillin. So the Orzarua in the Laws of Shema quotes from Rabbeinu Hananel and the Rashba in Brachos Vav quotes similarly from Rav Hai Gaon that the point of Hashem showing Moshe the knot was in order for him to understand how to tie it. Just like Hashem showed him how to build the Mishkan and to make the vessels, so all of these are complicated things. They're hard to describe. They're much easier to see. So Hashem gave Moshe a visual so that he would immediately understand exactly what it was supposed to look like. So likewise, for the knot of the tefillin, rather than describing it, Hashem showed Moshe an image of what it's supposed to look like, and he immediately understood. So Rav Velvo explains that what Rav Haigon and Rabbeinu Hananel are trying to teach us is that the point of the knot of the Ritsuas is not to actually be the letter Dalet. Otherwise, Hashem could have just given Moshe instructions to tie the Ritsuas in the letter Dalet. But the point of this Gemara is that it's a much more visual concept. The point is not that the Ritsuas form the letter Dalid, but rather it's that the knot of the Ritsuas has a certain shape to it. It has to have that specific shape. Now, that shape is in the shape of the letter Dalid, but the key point of the halacha is that it must be tied in a certain shape. It must have a certain visual. So that's why the Gemara highlights the visual aspect of this halacha rather than the writing or the letter aspect. It's not just a straight Dalid, but the Gemara highlights that Hashem had to show Moshe an image of what the visual of this knot was supposed to look like. So this is the source for the Rambam's approach. 
that the dalid of the ritzuas is not a form of writing, but it's a shape that the knot has to be in. Now, likewise, Rab Velvel says that the riff in the laws of tefillin brings down this Gemara that Hashem showed Moshe the shape of the knot. Now, the riff's principle is that he only brings down Gemaras which are practical halachically. The riff cut out any halachas which were agarita, stories or history, anything which did not have immediate practical relevance. So why is the riff quoting this Gemara that Hashem showed Moshe the image of the shape of the knot of the Ritzuas? What practical halachic relevance does that have? It seems to be a story. Says Rab Velvel, because again, the riff understood like Rab Haigon and Rabbeinu Hananel, he was the heir of the tradition of the Gaonim, and he understood this Gemara to be teaching us that the point of the Dalit is not the letter Dalit, it's the shape of a Dalit. So the knot has to be in a certain shape, and that's what the Gemara is highlighting. So that's why the Rif quoted it to teach us this conceptual distinction that the Rambam then codified that even though the Shin is a form of writing, the Dalit of the knot is not a form of writing, it's not a letter, but rather it's a shape, and that was what Hashem showed Moshe, the image of the shape of the knot. Now, Rev Velvel adds that there was another thing included in the image that Hashem showed Moshe, which is also significant. So the Rambam, again, in that halacha in Tefillin, Gimel Aleph, where he lists the eight halachas of the Tefillin, which are all halacha l'moshe misinai. So the Rambam writes, So all eight are required, and if he omits one of the eight, the Tefillin are disqualified, because they're all a halacha l'moshe misinai. So one of the eight halachas is v'shiyihiyeh ba'or shal rosh tzuras shin miyamin umismol. That there need to be two shins on the shell rosh, one on the right and one on the left. So the halacha l'moshe misinai is that there are two shins on the top of the batim, one on either side on the left and the right. Now what's odd is that one of the shins is not a real shin. One of the shins has three tops, which is a normal shin. It has the bottom line and then it goes up in three places. But the other shin on the other side is not a normal shin. It has four tops. So it has a bottom line and then it goes up in four places. So that's obviously not a normal shin. A regular shin has three tops up, whereas one of the shins on one of the sides of the tefillin shell rosh has four heads, which is not an actual shin. So that must also be included in the halacha l'moshim Sinai that one of the shins should be written in this very unusual way with four sides going up. And even though there's four tops, so it's not an actual shin, it's still considered a shin with regards to tefillin. So included in the halacha l'moshim Sinai is that there should be two shins on both sides. One of the shins should be written in the ordinary way with three heads, and the other shin should be written in an unusual way with four shins. But according to the halacha l'moshim Sinai, both of the shins are considered letters for the purposes of tefillin, so they're both included in the writing of the tefillin. So in the whole piece, when we say that the shin is a form of writing on the tefillin, it refers to both shins, including the unusual shin, which has four heads. So ordinarily, that would not have been considered a valid letter, but included in the halach l'moshim Sinai is that when it comes to tefillin, that four-headed shin is also a letter and a form of writing the tefillin. 
So when the Gemara in Shabbos says that the shins of the tefillin are included in Torah Hashem, the writing of the Torah, it refers to both shins. So this is a very broad halacha Sinai. Where did all of this come from? Where did Hashem say the two shins and one of them has four heads? And even that one is considered a valid letter and a valid shin with regards to the writing of the tefillin, says Rab Velvel, according to the Orzarua's tradition from Rabbeinu Hananel. So he adds that not only did Hashem show Moshe the knot of the Ritzuas, he also showed him the shin of the Batim. So that was all included in the image that Hashem showed Moshe, the knot as well as the Batim. So these unusual shins, all the details and features of the shins were all included in the image and the visual that Hashem gave Moshe. So according to Rab Velvel, this is the source for this four-headed shin being considered a valid letter on the tefillin, even though ordinarily it's not, because here Hashem showed Moshe that the shins would have one of them with four-headed, and that is a valid shin for the tefillin, so it's still considered a letter in the tefillin. So this tradition of Rabbeinu Hananel is helpful in making sense of some of the details of tefillin. It helps explain the view of the Rambam that the Dal of the knot is not an actual letter, meaning Hashem showed Moshe the shape of the knot, which looks like a Dalid, but it's not an actual letter. And on the flip side, it helps explain the unusual shin, which has four heads, which is not technically a letter, but for tefillin, it is considered a letter because again, Hashem showed him that image of a four-headed shin, and he said that that would be considered a shin when it comes to tefillin. So that is a form of writing the letter shin. It's a form of writing a letter for the tefillin even though it doesn't look like a regular shin. So this moment when Hashem showed Moshe the image of the tefillin was a very key moment in the laws of tefillin. Now in the final paragraph, Rab Velvel comes back to Tosfos' view and he tries to understand how he fits in. So far it sounds like there are three different positions. There's Rashi who understands that the shin, the dalit, and the yud are all valid letters. So they're not just shapes or images. They're actual letters. Tosfos is on the total other side. He holds that the shin is a halacha l'moshem Sinai, but the dalit and the yud are not at all a halacha. The only halacha l'moshem Sinai is to make a knot, but not in the shape of a dalit or a yud. Then the Rambam's in the middle. He understands that the halacha l'moshem Sinai includes the dalit and the yud as well as the shin, but the dalit and the yud are not a letter. They're just a shape that looks like the letter dalit and yud, as opposed to the shin, which is an actual letter. So those are the three views right now. But says Rab Velvel, there is another way to understand Tosos's view. Tosos rejects the version of the Gemara that the Dalit and the Yud are a halacha l'moshem Sinai. According to Tosfos, the halacha l'moshem Sinai is just that the Ritsuos have to be knotted, they have to be tied, but not what shape they have to be tied in. And that's what he repeats in Erevin Tzadizayin, that there is no halacha l'moshem Sinai on the Dalit and the Yud at all, only on the Shin. But says Rab Velvel, even according to Tosfos, it seems that included in the Halacha L'moshem Sinai is an image of what the knot should look like. The Halacha L'moshem Sinai was not just tie it however you want. There was some indication of what shape the knot should be in. Because the Gemara in Erevin there discusses Aniva, which is a form of tying like a regular knot. Not the tying of the tefillin knot, which is very complicated with a lot of steps, 
but a regular knot that we would make. So the Gemara is discussing whether that's allowed to be done on Shabbos. So the implication is that if you could make a regular tying on Shabbos, then you could tie the tefillin that way. So the Gemara asks, In the name of Rav, it was said, That the knot of the tefillin is So how are you allowed to tie it with Aniva? How would that fulfill the mitzvah of tefillin when it's not done in the proper form of the tefillin knot? The Omar Rav Nachman v'noyehen lebar. Rav Nachman added that the decoration of the knot needs to face outwards from the tefillin. So we see very clearly that included in the halacha l'moshim Sinai is not that you can tie it however you want, like one of the knots that we make on our shoelaces, but it has to be done in a specific way, which includes a decoration. So Rashi interprets from this Gemara that the knot of the tefillin included in the Halacha Lamoshimi Sinai was the shape of how it had to look. And that's why it can't be done with Aniva with any old form of tying. Now, if Tosvos disagrees with that and he understands that the Halacha Lamoshimi Sinai was just to make any knot and tie it however you want, but there was no shape or visual that was included in it. So what's the Gemara asking? Why can't you tie the tefillin on Shabbat? any way that you want, which would be allowed on Shabbos in the form of Aniva. So the Gemara's question assumes that the Halacha Lemoshimi Sinai indicated a specific type of knot. Now, don't say that according to Tosvos, the Gemara is saying that since the Halacha Lemoshimi Sinai said to tie the tefillin in a knot, that cannot be Aniva because Aniva is not considered a real knot in Halacha. It's just a way of tying things practically, but it doesn't meet the standard of a Halachic knot. Says Rab Velvel, that's not going to work because the answer to this question that the Gemara gives is the anivlahu ke'en kshira didhu, that he ties it in a way which is similar to the tefillin knot. So according to Rashi, this makes sense. The halacha l'moshim Sinai is that there needs to be a certain shape. And even though this person did aniva, they did it in the proper shape. But if Tosvos understands the question to be that it has to be tied properly and aniva is not a proper tying. So what does it matter if it's done similar to the proper tying of tefillin? But at the end of the day, this was not tied properly. So how are these tefillin valid to be worn? So the Gemara must be asked asking that Aniva is not included in the Halacha Lemoshim Sinai, how it indicated that the knot of the tefillin must be made. So Aniva does not have the proper shape, so it should be invalid. So on that, the Gemara answers that even though he did Aniva, so it was allowed on Shabbos, that form of tying, but he did it in the shape of the tefillin knot, so therefore it's valid for tefillin. So we see very clearly from this discussion in the Gemara that there is a shape to the knot of the tefillin. It can't just be tied however you want, but included in the Halacha Lemoshim Sinai is what the knot should look like. And furthermore, Tosos himself explains Rav Nachman's Halacha v'noyehen lebar that it's referring to the part of the knot which looks like a dalid that it should face outwards. Now, if there is no shape of a dalid included in the Halacha Lemoshim Sinai. So what does Rav Nachman have anything to do with this discussion? Here we're dealing with how the knot of the tefillin has to be made according to the Halacha Lemoshim Sinai. And Rav Nachman is talking about a much later development when there is the shape of a Dalit. 
So obviously, according to Tosvos, there must also be a shape included in the Halacha Lemosha Misinai that the knot has to look like a Dalid. And Rav Nachman clarified that the Dalid part of it has to face outward. So from this whole discussion of the Gemara and Tosvos' own interpretation there, it seems clear that according to Tosvos, there is a shape included in the knot Halacha Lemosha Misinai. So when Tosfo says that the Dalit and the Yud are not included in the Halacha Lemosh Misinai, only the Shin, so now he actually means something equivalent to the Rambam, that the Shin is a letter in and of itself. It's included in the Halacha Lemosh Misinai as the letter Shin. Whereas the Dalit and the Yud are not included as the letters Dalit and Yud, but rather as the shape of the knot. So now Tosos actually means exactly the Rambam's overall approach that the Halacha Lemosha Misinai taught that there should be a shin on the bottom, which is the letter shin, and there should be a knot, which is in the shape of a Dalit and a Yud, but not as the letter Dalit and Yud. And both Tosos and the Rambam mean the same thing, even though they come at it from different angles. The Rambam says that the Halacha Lemosha Misinai is that the knot has to be in the shape of a Dalit, whereas Tosos says that the Halacha Lemosha Misinai is is that the knot does not need to be in the shape of a Dalid, but they mean the same thing. They mean that the shape of the knot should look like a Dalid, but it's not the actual letter Dalid. So it's not a form of writing the letter Dalid. So at the end of the piece, Rab Velvel actually has two views, Rashi versus the Rambam and Tosvos. Rashi understands that in the Halacha Laboshim Sinai, the Shin, the Dalid, and the Yud are all letters, whereas according to the Rambam and Tosvos, the Shin is a letter, and the Dalit and the Yud are shapes. Now, it's very interesting to note historically that Rabbi Velvel's nephew, Rabbi Yosef Dov Soloveitchik, so he has a very similar idea in his letters, which are published in a sefer, Igros Hagrid Halevi. Now, this itself is not unusual. Rabbi Yosef Dov has a lot of ideas there which line up with ideas in Chidush Rabbi Nuchayim Halevi or in Chidush Emeron Riz Halevi. So in a lot of cases, he discusses similar topics and even arrives at similar ideas to his uncle and his grandfather. And that really highlights what a phenomenal Talmud Chacham he was because these are letters from his younger years and he's coming up with ideas that are similar to the superstars of Brisk, his grandfather and his uncle. So that in and of itself is not so notable that he has a similar idea to his uncle. But what is interesting is that in the letter on page 32, so he suggests the same basic distinction that Rab Velvel makes between the Shin versus the Dalit and the Yud, that the Shin itself is a letter, whereas the Dalit and the Yud are a shape, but he suggests that distinction within Rashi to answer the questions of Tosvos. So while Rab Velvel says that that conceptual distinction only works in the Rambam and perhaps Tosvos, but it does not work within Rashi, Rab Yosef Dov suggests the idea within Rashi. But what's very interesting is that his father, Reb Moshe, then replies... And his letters on page 34, and he actually quotes the same Ron that Reb Velvel quoted in order to reinforce this idea. So now this is a lot of interesting overlap. They're both suggesting the same conceptual idea, and both Reb Velvel and his brother Reb Moshe both arrive at the same Ron to prove this point. So this is a very interesting overlap. These two letters are from 1940, so we can speculate whether there was some actual discussion between these two brothers and the nephew, but obviously we'll never know. Now, to continue this story, so there are Shiurim from Reb Beryl Salavechik, Reb Velvel's oldest son, and they're called Shiure Hagrid Salavechik on Stam and Tzitzis. 
not to be confused with his cousin's sefer, similarly titled Shiure Hagrid, Tfilin, Stam, and Tzitzis. So these Shiurim from Reb Beryl were initially published in the Torah journal Yeshurin, volume 9 and 10, and then they were published as a standalone sefer. So on page 201, he discusses this Ran as well, and he disagrees with his father and his uncle that the Ran is to be interpreted along the lines of Reb Velvel, because he points out that the Ran does not say that since the Dalit and the Yud are in a knot, so it's a shape, not a letter, the Ran says that since it's a knot, it itself is not a letter. So the Ran seems to be saying that there is no such thing as a letter in a knot, whereas according to Rab Velvel, there could be a letter in a knot, but the Torah happened to formulate this halacha as a shape and not a letter. So according to Rab Beryl, the Ran seems to be highlighting something a bit different than Rab Velvel, one step further, that there can never be a letter within a knot, a letter means that it's written on paper, not that it's in a knot, because a knot can be untied, so that's not actually considered a letter. And he quotes that the Mordechai makes the same distinction. So this is a very interesting discussion that went on for years. According to Reb Velvel and Reb Moshe, the Ran should be interpreted as a conceptual distinction, whereas according to Reb Beryl, the Ran should be understood in light of the Mordechai, that since a knot can be untied, so it's never considered a letter, a letter has to be written. Now, with regard to Reb Velvel's idea that Tosvos agrees with the Rambam that the shape of the knot has to be the shape of a Dalid, so there's a safer pre-Eliezer from Reb Eliezer Polk all on the laws of tying the knots of tefillin. That's the trend nowadays to produce these very long svarim on very detailed areas of halacha. So naturally, he has a very long discussion of this piece. And beginning on page 458, he lists many achronim who he says disagree with Reb Velvel's understanding of Tosvos. Now, most of these achronim are not anything so significant. They just use language that indicates that according to Tosvos, the shape of the knot could be whatever someone wants, unlike Reb Velvel's understanding. So anyone that's very interested in this topic can look through his discussion in that Sefer. Now, Reb Velvel makes a big deal about the Gemara that Hashem showed Moshe the shape of the knot. And very interestingly, this is actually a running theme throughout his Chidushim. So in his Sefer on the Torah, he makes a big deal about two other places where Hashem showed Moshe images. According to Reb Velvel, all of these times that according to the Gemara, Hashem had to show Moshe something were intended to teach a halacha. So Rashi and Shmos Yud Beis Beis on HaChodesh HaZelachem, when Hashem introduces the concept of sanctifying the new month, so Rashi says that Moshe was having trouble understanding what shape of the moon should be sanctified. So Hashem showed him the shape of the moon and pointed to it with his finger, so to speak, quote unquote, and he said, this is the type of moon that should be sanctified. So Reb Velvel asks a very similar question to the one he asks in this piece. What is the point of this process of showing Moshe the shape of the moon? The halacha is that as soon as you see the new moon, you sanctify it. So what does it mean that there's some types of moon 
that can be sanctified and some that cannot. Says Rab Velvel, we see from this comment of Rashi that it's not just a practical issue that we're unable to see the moon before it appears, but it's a halachic concept. Even if theoretically we could see the moon before it appears, we still could not sanctify it. There is a sheer, a measurement to what type of moon can be sanctified as the new month. And it's not just a practical issue that now we see it and before we didn't. It is a halachic concept that this moon can be sanctified, whereas before that it could not be. And he proves the same idea because the Rambam in his commentary on the Mishnah in Rosh Hashanah writes that even when we don't sanctify the moon through witnesses, we sanctify it based on the calculation of the new moon. We still have to wait six hours after the molad when the moon first appears. So again, this is the same idea. If the whole issue of sanctifying the new moon is when we see it, so if we're doing it based on the calculation, we should be able to figure out as soon as it appears, even if we can't see it. The fact that we can't sanctify it at that point means that it's a halacha, it's a measurement that only the moon that can be seen meets the requirement to be sanctified. Before that, it's not just a practical issue that we don't see it. It's a halachic issue that that type of moon cannot be sanctified. And that is what Hashem was showing Moshe. So the showing the new moon to Moshe was not just to teach him something practical about the world, some science. It was to teach him the halacha of what type of moon is valid for the new month. And similarly, later in Shmos, Chafhei Lamed Aleph, Rashi quotes a similar tradition, the Torah says that the menorah was made. So it's a strange verb. So Rashi explains that Moshe was having trouble understanding how to make the menorah. So Hashem told him to throw the material into the fire and the menorah came out. So Moshe did not make the menorah. The menorah was made miraculously on its own. So again, Rab Velvel in his Chidushim ala Torah wonders, why did Moshe have such a hard time making the menorah? They made a menorah in the second base on Mikdash and they didn't seem to have a hard time of it. So what was so difficult for Moshe? So he explains that there was no halacha as to how big the decorations of the menorah had to be. So that's why it wasn't a big deal on the second base on Mikdash because however large the decorations were, it was okay. There was no specific size. But the menorah that Moshe was making had a special halacha of tavnis that it had to have a specific design. So there was a certain size to each of the decorations and that's what was making it much more difficult. The Ramban says that that halacha only applied to Moshe, not to later menorahs. So that's why Moshe had a much more difficult time making the menorah than they did later in the second Beis HaMikdash. And that's why Hashem had to help him. So again, Rab Velvel focuses in on this concept that Hashem had to show Moshe how to do something, that it's teaching us a halachic detail, not just that Hashem showed Moshe the way something would look or some sort of scientific fact. So that's the basis of his comment in this piece as well, that when Hashem showed Moshe the shape of the knot of the tefillin, he was teaching him a halacha about how the shape should look, not just helping him understand how to make a difficult knot.